Well, all right. Well, you know, congratulations, graduates. But, you know, I could easily just as well say Happy Father's Day, Happy Mother's Day, Happy Friends Day, Happy Grandparents Day, because it took a village to get you guys to this point right here. Um, this was not, you guys did a lot of hard work, but there was a lot of people that came in in support of you. So this morning, as we talk and give some, some direction as far as the rest of your life, this isn't just a message for, for you guys, although it applies to you. This is for all of us. Because the principles in God's Word for a life that is successful, for a life that um, is pleasing to Him, isn't just for those that are starting their life, but it's for all of us as whatever stage of life that we're in, whether it's we're still in school and, and looking towards this day, or whether we've already um, had children or our children are already grown. It doesn't matter. The principles that are found in God's Word uh, apply to all of our lives. So um, I want to tell you a quick little story. Uh, my son's here, so um, he's around here somewhere. But when my, my son was little, he was probably about four or five years old. Um, it was, he was in preschool, and he went to the, the academy over here off of McEver Road. I'm sorry, off of um, Monday Mill Road. Anyways, he was, he was a little stubborn guy, um, so you'd tell him to do something, and he wouldn't do it. Has anyone else here had a child like that? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he was, he was told not to run in the hallways there at the, um, at the academy, and you'd tell him every, every day I'd go to pick him up, and I'd go get him from his classroom, and I'd say, Brian, stop running, because he'd take off down the hallway. Stop running. And, of course, the next day he'd pick him up, and he'd do the same thing again. Well, finally one day, the little joker decided to scare the life out of his daddy, and he took off from me, and he started running down the hallway. And at that time, he was about the same height as a water fountain. Um, and he ran smack dab into that water fountain, and I happened to be right. I don't know how I got there like I did, but I was behind him. And he just kind of collapsed into my arms. And my son passed out. He was out. I was like, I was left speechless. It felt like an eternity, but it was probably just a few seconds because I couldn't even say the words help to anybody. But it finally came, help. Um, but he literally knocked himself out because he ran into this, this water fountain. Um, thankfully, he woke up. He was fine. I don't know if there was a lesson learned in there. Um, I think he still ran into some water fountains through the years. But um, my point with all that for us today, for graduates, for um, us that are sitting here uh, as adults, when we hear God's word, we have a choice. We can listen to it, obey it, and apply it to our lives and allow God to direct us and guide us, or we can be like my little four-year-old son who said, now nah, I'm good, and we can run smack dab into a water fountain and knock ourselves out of this life. It's as simple as that. So as you hear these things, I want you to take that into mind that when we hear God's word, how do we respond to it? So we're going to, I want to turn your attention to a verse in Deuteronomy that we'll read here in just a second. But it was called the Shema. I don't know if anyone, if anyone has heard of that before, but it was the Israelites um, read, it was Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and 5. And they would memorize this passage of Scripture and, um, and apply it to their lives. Shema 
translated to English means here. So you said here, you'll see the very first verse in, in verse 4 here in a second says, Hear, O Israel. In English, hear, say, well, we hear, right? But the English translation of the original meaning doesn't quite do it its justice because it wasn't just a command to hear, but it had an action statement next to it. It said, not only should you hear, but and do. It's hear and do. If you guys um, turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1, verse 22, um, from, this is for my high schoolers here. It's in the New Testament towards the end. Um, James chapter 1, and this is written by James, but it says, um, verse 22, says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. Scripture says, obviously in the New Testament, and then we're getting ready to see in the Old Testament as well, that when we hear God's Word, if we don't do what it says, it's like we look at our face in a mirror, look at it and go, eh, and just walk away from it, and you forget what you saw. It'd be almost the equivalent of if um, you look at your face in the mirror, and you see that you got a big old mud smear on the side of your face, and, or your hair's all out of place. That'll be more for the most of you, not me. Um, but if your hair's out of place or, you're, or you got a big old um, mud on your, your face, and you go, oh, I'm good, I look great, and then you turn away. It doesn't make sense, right? So in the same token, Shema, or hear, O Israel, is not only hear it, but do what it says. It doesn't make sense if you don't link them together, okay? So with that in mind, now let's flip back to Deuteronomy. Um, Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. It's in chapter 6. I'm going to read verse um, 4 and 5. And again, now when you see the word hear, no, it's not just hear, but it's hear and do. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So you see here there's several things going on. First and foremost, that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might. Again, that's a direction not only to you as graduates, but to all of us who hear, that that's the first and foremost thing that we should do is to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our minds, and with all our strength. But then he says, he kind of gives you this um, picture here. He says, we're to teach them diligently to our children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way. Eventually, graduates, um, you'll have, hopefully you'll have a family. Maybe you'll have children someday. If you do, you are to teach them as you go. Make that a part of your life that, that, that Scripture is taught to your children, just as uh, your families have done to you. But then it says, in verse um, 8, it says, You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. So, this one's kind of interesting. 
Right now, if you get told that you need, if, you, if you're do, going through your day and you get reminded, oh, I, gotta, I gotta remember to do this, what do you generally do now? We take out our phones and we make a reminder, we put an appointment in our calendar or something like that. Well, back when I was sitting where you are, um, phones weren't really like they are now. Um, we didn't quite have the, the technology that is available to us. So what we did, if we got something important, we would do what? Anybody else here write something on your hand? You write it on your hand, right? Um, especially if you got that girl's no phone number that you'd been trying so desperately to get for so long. You'd, you'd make sure, I got to make sure I have this for later. So you'd write it on your hand. Um, Clyde pointed out to me the other day that um, this one did have a hard drive failure, though, whenever you'd write it on your hand, is if you washed your hands, you'd have a crash afterwards. So that was always a bad thing. But anyways, the point is, is that, that God's saying here that we aren't, that it's not necessarily that we are to write it on our hands, although a lot of the, the Israelites would do that. They would write things on their hands or put stuff in front of their faces to remind them. The point is saying that this is it's so important that, you, that this is the first and foremost thing in all of your life, that it should be like a sign on your hand. It should be like you are having a sign in front of you so that you, you see it, that it's always in front of you, where that you go, this is how I have got to live my life, is to love my God. So with that being said, there comes the question of, well, now what? <laughs> What's next? What's the next step for me to do? How do I do this, Brian? What are some of the things that I can do in my daily life to apply these things um, and so that I can love my God with all my heart, soul, and with all my mind, so or all my um, heart, mind, and strength. I always get that mixed up. The, um, so, if you will, we're going to look at four pillars of, of life. If you, um, four things that you can kind of put your, stake your claim. If you do these things, God will give you a life that um, will be successful. Now, I'm not saying prosperous or lots of money, but it will be a successful life because it's a life that's rooted in him and where you can strive after him. Okay, so the very first one is this. We are called to love in action and truth. But then here's the little kicker. This little part at the end really, really stinks. Even your enemies. It's easy to love those that love us, right? We're going to look at some scripture here. Um, the very first one is Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians. This is um, in the New Testament. This is a letter from Paul to the church in Ephesus. Um, Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I love this one because um, for those of you that have had little children, little boys just look up and they want to be their daddies. I remember when I was a kid, I, I did what my, I mimicked and imitated what my dad did. My dad was an electric lineman. And um, he used to be, he'd have um, weeks where he would be on what they called trouble call. So if there was issues, he'd have to go out and take care of it. Well, he got to drive his truck home. And at that point, I know you can't do this anymore because of the safety regulations, but we as kids, my brothers and I, got to climb all over that truck. 
And we'd get up there and we would pretend and imitate our father. We acted just like and we'd, we'd talk and act like we were, you know, doing a, you know, uh, fixing a line or whatever it was, right? We were, imita- we were imitating our Father. Paul is saying there that we are to be imitators of God, just as little children. And how do we do that? We walk in love as Christ did, as he loved us and gave himself up for us. And he was a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we are called to walk in love. All right, next verse, Luke. If you'll flip back over a few, um, uh, this is now Jesus speaking here in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. Luke chapter 6, in, uh, in starting in verse 20, 27. Psalm 11, but it says, excuse me, But I say to you, I say to you who hear, love your enemies. I already don't like where this one's going. I don't know about you, but um, it started off, love your enemies. This one's hard. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. The one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. You know, it's easy to love those that love us back, right? Um, It's easy to love those that um, are on your side, that support you, that come behind you and give you that attaboy, that a girl, you're doing a great job. It's easy to love them back. But true love, the love that Christ showed us, the love that if we are going to show Christ's love to the world, means that we not only love the ones that love us back, but we love those that don't love us back too. We are called to love our enemies those that hate us, those that would wish our bad or our misfortune. Here's another little side note. Um, have you guys ever been around walking down the, or been at a, uh, maybe at Walmart or at a restaurant and you see somebody out front and they've got a sign that says for money, or they're asking for money or they're asking for food. Um, now, I will be honest, throughout my life, a lot of times I've been very guilty of just ignoring them and acting like I didn't see them. Um, but I was, when I read this verse several years ago, I was convicted because Jesus says very specifically here that we are to give to everyone who begs from you. It doesn't say sometimes. It doesn't say some people or only those that you choose. He says give to everyone who begs from you. So since then, I have tried very diligently, and all if, if I've got the means at the time, that if someone is begging or needs something, that I give to them, even if it's a few dollars, whatever it is. It's not my job to determine what they're going to use that money for. God says to give to everyone who begs from you. So take that for what it's worth. That's just, that's, those are Jesus' words, not mine. But it says, and as you wish... Um, 
that others would do to you, do so to them. So that seems like a basic law of life, right? Because if you think about how we're wired, we're going to take care of ourselves, right? I'm going to make sure here in, a, in an hour or whenever it is, I'm going to eat lunch. I'm going to take care of myself. That's what I'm going to do because I know my body's going to tell me I'm hungry and then I'm going to eat. Um, if I'm cold, I'm going to put a jacket on, right? Um, so as you would want done to you, as you would take care of yourself, we are to do to others. This whole thing about um, love in action. And then finally, 1 John. This is right there at the, the back end of the, uh, the New Testament. 1 John chapter 3 and then verse 17. 1 John chapter 3 verse 17 says this, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. God's word sometimes cuts like a knife right to our hearts. Um, and this is another one of those. It says, if anyone has goods, if you have food, clothing, whatever it is, and you see someone in need, but you don't do anything about it, how is God's love in you? Scripture actually says that it's not. It says, how does God's love abide in you? It doesn't, because if it did, Jesus is, what would Jesus' response have been there? He would give. He showed it to us when he walked this earth. That's how he lived his life. Let us not love only by the things we say, but let us do it in deed and truth. And that's why I put that second pillar or that second or um, pillar or excuse me the first pillar to say love in action and truth even our enemies because that's what we are called to do all right moving along the second pillar um, is to stay focused on God sounds simple or it sounds obvious but it's it's there because it's mentioned so often in scripture because it's also so easy to lose sight of God. This world wants to distract us. Clyde made mention at the very beginning, you guys unfortunately are coming into a world that's pretty rough. Um, and it's a, it's a culture that wants you focused anywhere but God. It's going to focus your attention on um, the love of money. It's going to focus your attention on things that you want to make you happy. Anything but God. So stay focused on God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 22. This is a really fascinating uh, part of scripture here and a fascinating thing that Jesus did. You know, we talk so often about Jesus's love and, um, and his kindness and his compassion. And he was amazing. He was all those things, but he was also incredibly smart and he had, he was full of wisdom because here, the Pharisees, or the religious leaders of the day, were trying to trip up Jesus. And they ask him this question, what's the greatest commandment? Because what they're thinking is, is that he's going to give some response from maybe the Old Testament. And they're going to say, aha, well, you said that. Well, what about this one? And they were going to trip him up. That was their goal. Jesus saw right through it. 
And this was his response. Look at chapter 20, uh, Matthew um, chapter 22 and then um, verses 37 and 38. He says, And he said to them, or to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. See, we just heard that, didn't we? You should, what was this Shema? Hear, O Israel, hear and do, to love the Lord your God. Jesus knew that. And he said that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. And then the second commandment was just like it. He says we are to love our neighbor as ourself. See, you can't have one without the other. The first and, for, for, first and foremost, we've got to love the Lord our God. And we, when we are so focused on Him and we allow His Word to penetrate our lives, it then changes us from the inside out, and then there's no way but, but to love others. It's a natural progression of when we love Him, the natural progression, the natural tendency is, is that we're going to love others. One of the coolest ways you can do that, one of the coolest ways any of us can do this as far as loving God and to learn who He is, is to memorize Scripture. Um, Clyde, several years ago, turned me on to an app that you guys can use. You may have heard about it before. It's called Scripture Typer. It's a great app. It helps you to memorize Scripture. And one of the things you can do in there is um, you can record your voice saying Scripture and then hear it over and over and over again. Well, I tried to memorize Romans 12. The older I've gotten, the harder it is to memorize. So the only way I can do it is repetition and over and over. And I, and I, and I would play, I, I recorded it and then played it over and over again. I did the little tricks you can do through the Scripture Typer app. Um, and it was interesting. What I found is because I was so focused on Scripture and so and allowing it, it, it became where it seeped into who I was. And it all of a sudden, all relationships, all situations that I would encounter throughout the day and throughout the week, I would now start to filter it through Romans 12. Go figure, right? When we memorize Scripture, when we are putting our focus solely on God, all of a sudden now we filter our life and our relationships and the way we respond to people and things and through the lens of Scripture. So my challenge for all of us is to stay focused on God so that we can see the world the way He sees the world. And we can now navigate the treacheries of this life through what God has called us to do. All right, so that was in, um, let's see, where are we at? That was Matthew 22, verse 37 through 30 and 38. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Again, we're back to um, Paul here. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. says this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Listen to that again. Let no corrupting talk 
come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, if you're wondering, well, Brian, that doesn't say in there specifically to stay focused on God. I want to give you a quote from uh, Charles Swindoll here to kind of help you understand this. This is what he says. If you wonder the condition of your heart, listen to your tongue. Your tongue is like a bucket and your heart is like a well. It goes out, it goes down into the well and brings up what is there. So one good measure of where you're at in your life with the Lord, how you can measure that is this thing here. What comes out of your mouth? How do you speak to others? How do you treat others? Are you building others up or are you tearing them down? Are foul language coming out of your mouth or corrupting talk coming out of your mouth? Obscene language coming out of your mouth? If it is, it might be an indication of the condition of your heart. That's not might. It is an indication of the condition of your heart. You know, um, Colossians chapter 3 says this. Excuse me, Colossians chapter 3 and then verse 8. It says, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. To stay focused on God Part of what you do when, you, when you're focused on him is you will see the way you treat others. And it will be very evident in how you live your life and how you, and one of the biggest ways is how you speak and how you treat and the words that come out of your mouth. So the second, the, that's our second point is to stay focused on God. Thirdly, we are to stay free from the love of money. And then the last part of that is be content. We are to stay free from the love of money. We are to be content. Look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. It says this, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, It's so, so important. It's so powerful. This world will try to deceive you, manipul manipul manipulate you, and distract you. And one of the biggest ways it can do it is through this right here. It's through the love of money. Money in and of itself is not a bad thing. The love of money, the pursuit of money, where that becomes all that you can think about. And, it, and, it, well, and ultimately, if you put it above God, it becomes an idol. Anything we put above God is an idol in our lives. And money can be one of the biggest ones. We are to be content. I don't, I don't have this on the screens, but you guys have ever, um, Philippians 4.13, how many can quote that one? I think I heard it kind of floating around there. Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me, right? You know how um, ultimately we take that one out of context so often. It's true. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But did you know what verse 12 says? That's not exactly what Paul was talking about. It wasn't that just 
all-encompassing statement. Look at verse 12 of Philippians 4. So Philippians 4 verse 12 says, this is Paul speaking. He goes, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, this thing being content with what we have, the only way you're going to do it is through the power of Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, it's why it's talked about in Scripture as much as it is. The love of money is a trap. We are called to be content with the things that we have. And how are you going to do that? Whether you've got a lot or whether you've got a little, you do it through the power of Jesus Christ. All right? First Timothy. Um, also in the New Testament, this is Paul's letter to Timothy. We're going to be in chapter 6. And I just want to read you a few verses here that he, that he um, speaks to Timothy here. It's kind of a, Timothy's a young man at this point, And Paul is kind of giving him a charge and some things that he can look at in his life. It says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. This love of money can do horrible things in our lives. What I love about this, he says, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. I don't care how much you, how little you own or how much you own. If you're a rich billionaire, you own the Dallas Cowboys and you've got more money than you can even count or know what to do with. You know what happens on the day you die? Have you ever seen a, a hearse with a U-Haul behind it? It doesn't happen, right? Because we can't take it with us. So while you're here... Be content with the things that God's given you. Do not let the love of money trap you or snare you. That's a, 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 it's a challenge for, for the graduates, but it's a challenge for all of us. It's a challenge for each and every one of us that's in this room to not let money be uh, a downfall in our life. All right, and then the final pillar um, is... Preach the gospel, man. <laughs> That's what we're called to do. Look at Matthew chapter 28. Um, Jesus, right at, um, he, before he uh, is ascended into um, to heaven, he gives a charge to his disciples. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that charge is to you. Chapter 28, um, verse 18 through 20 says this. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. One of the, my favorite parts is this last part. It says, I am with you always, not sometimes, not Whenever I feel like it, he says, always. When we are doing his word, when we are doing what he has commanded us to do in his word, he's not, we're not going to be alone because he's going to be right there with us. 
you will feel the most presence, or when you will feel the presence of God the most in your life is when you are preaching the gospel, when you're feeding the, uh, the hungry, when you're helping the sick, the hurt, when you're feeding those that are, or, or um, clothing those that are, that are cold, when you're doing the things that God's called you to do, you're going to feel his presence because he's, he said he would be with us in those moments. We are called to preach the gospel. Look at Mark, uh, Mark 16. Mark chapter 16 and then verse 15. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. What's the gospel? The gospel is the good news of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And first and foremost, for as we talked um, this morning, if any of you here don't know Jesus as your, your Savior, a lot of this stuff I'm talking about doesn't make any sense to you. But today can be your day. We are called to preach the gospel. The gospel says this, <clears throat> we have all sinned and we fall short of God's glory. Because sin is in our lives, we are separated from God for eternity. But God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Not while we turned to him, but while we were still in the depths of our sin, he died for us. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages or the payment of our sin, what we deserve is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Romans 10.9 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. And that's the gospel. My challenge for any of you here this morning that has never done that, my hope and my prayer is that this will be your morning, that you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And today you will be saved. Graduates, if you've not done that, my prayer is that that, that would be yours. But if, that's your, if you have made that commitment, and you have given your life to Christ. May these four pillars be staples in our lives. May these four pillars be the chair that we sit on, the rock that we stand on, what we make our lives out of. My prayer for you guys over the years to come is you've got a, some great days ahead. You've got some tough days ahead. But I can promise you this. If these four principles, if you will... Um, if you will love in action and truth, even those that are unlovable, if you will stay focused on God, if you'll stay free from the love of money and be content, and then if you'll preach the gospel, at the end of your days, when you, before you take your dying breath, you'll be able to look back without any regrets, and you'll say, man, what a life. And it was a life well lived. And when you see God... Um, you stand before God, he'll look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And in the same token, for those of us that are not graduating or did not just graduate, it's the same thing for us. Those four pillars, when we do, if we apply those things into our lives, we can have that moment at the end of our days 
when we breathe our last, that we can look back at our life and say, wow, what a life God led me through. And it was a life well lived. That's my prayer. That's my hope for you guys. Now, the choice is yours. Just as that example at the very beginning where my son wouldn't listen and smacked into the water fountain and knocked himself out. The choice is yours. You've seen the challenge. Now the question for all of us is, what do we do with it? Do we ignore it and just continue on our own path and keep getting knocked out? Or do we stay focused on what God's called us to do and allow him to guide us and direct us every step of the way? All right.